back quarterback number 19. Bernie, Bernie, oh yeah, how oh, you can throw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bernie, Bernie, oh baby, Super Bowl. crazy we're here to make some sense of it six b's and a p on aquabarelegion.com episode 11 of our third season of this fine program from the folks that brought you pie corner i bring you this week's episode of six b's and a p my co-hosts with me this week chris poland hi brian weeby uh peapotty award-winning brian weeby sorry sorry peapotty award-winning brian weeby Thank you. Sorry, sorry for my slow reply, but I had to fix the score because the first part of your Browns game recap was the wrong score. Good save, Chris Poland. We're going to call you uh, Big Saber. Savior, that's fine. Savior. Ian Wolf. I was junior Stats. Junior Stats. <laughs> big Stats, Ian Wolf. High corner forever. We're doing it this week, too. Uh, that's what they call a teaser in the business. Oh, boy. But the Browns win 26-24 to over the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. The first place, or former first place Atlanta Falcons, um, they are were 4-6. and six. They are now 4-7. and seven. We're kind of in an opposite situation in our division, but the Browns pull out a big win in a very, very ugly game. Uh, is there any way we can join that division? Yeah, it would be great. We'd be in first place by three games, I think, right now. Yeah. It would be nice. I don't know if that works, though. Like that. I don't think we can do that, but if we can figure it out, let's try. Let's try to get the interns on that one and see if anything comes up. Uh, Billy Cundiff with the game winner. We're going to talk about that drive and the end of that game a little bit more in a few minutes, but Crowell looked great. Kaka. Uh, most, most touchdowns for any rookie in the league. That's pretty awesome. Uh, defense looked better, but even more injuries today uh, to Sean Gibson going down, and that did not look good already on top of Dansby and Taylor. And, yeah, Gibson. That is a bummer. I was worried they were going to lose Aiden and Gibson at the same time, which would have definitely probably been the season. That is the run defense is. And the elephant yeah. in the room, if the elephant was riding in a car with seven ounces of marijuana, Josh Gordon comes back. He's looking good already, and I mean, he made. I think there were some definite mistakes there. Like, I think that really horrific Hoyer interception was probably a misrun route. Right. At least I hope so. But that being said, eight catches and 120 yards in your first game back is some beastly shit. And he was just like, they're just throwing him the ball. I'm like, here you go, run. Right. Yeah, those were pretty sweet. Those little dish passes where he ran. You did, you did see it, like, right away, how good he is. He's, like, so much bigger than the rest of our receivers, too. Yeah, it was amazing. And that throwaway pass was incredible, too. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. 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 Made Spencer Lanning proud. Yeah. <laughs> but it seemed, and we have here in the notes, I think this is a good point, it seemed, and the announcers, of course, brought this up 390 times, it seemed as if him and Hoyer were on a different page still a little bit every once in a while. You mentioned um, that one interception, and then the one in the end zone, too. Like, he, you know, it didn't really kind of just stopped mm -hmm. with the weird one, too. It just seemed like they weren't connected yet. But, I mean, I think that takes time. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, we're doing sports radio, so let's throw some conspiracies out there. I like it. What, what if Josh Gordon thinks uh, Manziel's like a cooler dude to hang out with. <laughs> Likes to party with him. Yeah. He starts, like, catching Hoyer balls and dropping them at the last second. <laughs> and then do the money sign. Hand off to defense and then throw up the money sign. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And uh, we'll talk about Gordon a little bit more, too, later. Uh, Joel Batonio with a huge play. Arguably. That guy, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, like, it was really funny. After the game we all went to, I bought a program. I thought I usually like to try to grab one of those. And I got in the car and realized that Joel Batonio was on the cover. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, like, but, man. But, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be completely honest as, you know, I feel like I watch sports and try to, and have a pretty good sense of what's going on in the football games, but I have tried consciously this season to pay more attention to, like, the offensive line battles, you know? But, like, the, you know, the trenches. And I just still can't really tell. Like, it's just so much, like, writhing that it's hard for me to be like, oh, that guy's awesome at his job, you know? Or do you think you just notice it more when it's, like, absent? Like, obviously, we've all seen it. We've talked about it here with Alex Mack out. The Browns exactly. wasn't as good, you know? Obviously, I saw Nick McDonald get fucking on his ass, like, a bunch today. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where, like, you only complain about it when it, or notice it when it's bad, you know? Kind of like uh, um, when they dub movies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, like, it's kind of one of those things, and it's often talked about. They're the, you know, un, unsung heroes of the game, but... I've read a lot about Joel Batonio, and it seems like people who probably pay more attention to that shit than I think he is, like, the rookie of the year almost. Right. He's played great, and he, the hustle of moving across that field at, like, a diagonal, like, to tackle dude, um, Devin Hester, who caught that 60-yard field goal that we attempted with Billy Cundiff, who... Twice! Twice, who... I... If I, I'm going to get this stat wrong, probably, so Ian, we might have looked this up, too, but they said something like Cundiff with field goals over 50 yards, it's like a 29% rate of, like, success, which is the lowest in the league. They're like, well, how about how about we have a kick 60-yarder? Lowest in NFL uh, history. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's way worse than the league. 8 of 29 or something like that. Oh, yeah, so... Yeah, and Devin Hester, of course, can, you can run that back. It's a live ball, and he did that, and it was Joel, man. Nailed him. Like, that had to – I mean, if you're Devin Hester, you imagine getting hit from behind by a guy that big that's been running that fast for that long. I feel like this game, more than um, a lot of the others that we've watched, had me question the play calling and the clock management and so forth. Definitely clock management. I was surprised, and then obviously the Falcons, too, not to deflect this from being about the Browns, but they really screwed the pooch on that last possession. Like, they could have won the game. Mm -hmm. And that dude called some weird timeouts. But, yeah, you're right, Chris. I thought towards the end of the game, there was a, especially towards the end of the game, um, there was a few times that were pretty kind of stuck out uh, you know, but I thought they did a better job. Obviously, Hoyer still threw too much. I think he threw like 40 times, but last week was 50. So, <laughs> Well, I don't want to get ahead of anything too much, but I think it's a good segue. Like, you guys were questioning the coaching maybe more than ever, but I honestly found myself questioning Hoyer more than ever. For sure. Yeah, yeah that is a good segue. I mean, I love the guy. I love his story. I love, He seems like just a good dude. And sometimes he does things that are great, you know, and it's uh, like, wow, what a nice throw. But then, like, that end zone interception was a terrible choice on his part. Yeah. It just seemed like he made, like, you know, if you're a game manager, then your strength is your decision-making. And when you make, like, all of those interceptions were really, really ugly. Three, three interceptions is pretty, pretty bad. And again, you know, and I know Ian's been an advocate of this, is... His completion percentage is pretty low today. Do you have that at all, Ian? I don't. I did. Stats. Stats Jr., no? Nope. Uh, all right. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't good. So on top of, like, poor decision-making on the couple interceptions, you know, he also just isn't completing a lot of passes. On the other end of that, though, I have to say that, you know, I was listening to a little bit of the post-game show, and they brought up, that his short memory in this game and what he did on that last drive, uh, you know, sort of saved saved Hoyer a little bit for them. And I, I have to agree with that, too. He played a pretty terrible game, but they still won the game. Hoyer was 23 of 40. 
for 300. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the three interceptions. But what do you guys, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, I think, Brian, you bring up a good point. I definitely have been thinking about it more the past couple weeks have not been good. The guys on TV said he's thrown 100 balls without a touchdown. That, that's not right. He threw a touchdown last week. Yeah, but was it early in the game? Uh, even if it was, there still wouldn't be 100 passes attempted between then and now. All right, well, fuck off, announcers. I thought I had a hot tip there. <laughs> Maybe they're counting, um, you know, practice. Right. He throws a couple a day. But I think this is a good, it's a good, it's something I've been thinking about more the past couple weeks because of how he's been performing. But I mean, let's go around the uh, proverbial room here. Chris, how do you feel about Brian Hoyer? Conflicted. Uh, Like you said, I like his story. I like that, you know, he's a a Cleveland boy. But. Those stats are hard to find, you know, anything positive about. Other than the win and loss column, I guess. You know, that's his one saving grace is that these we're winning games with him at the helm somehow. That's something. Yeah, I mean, that is, his win-loss record is pretty impressive. And obviously the Browns are, I mean, maybe we, I, we actually didn't talk about this at the beginning of the show, but, like, the Browns are 7-4. and four. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. Like, that's totally nuts. I don't remember that happening any time recently. So, Fourth time they've had seven wins in a season since 94. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those years, to be fair, there wasn't a team. That's true. Undefeated those years. Yeah, go Browns. But what about you, uh, Ian? Well, I had uh, kind of the last two things we were talking about set up for uh, Darker Linings Playbook. So I'll, I'll reserve my opinion for my patented segment. Okay, yeah, that'll be coming up at the break. Nice segue to Darker Lighting's Playbrook, Playbrooks. So, yeah, I guess you're not saying anything. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, there's part of me that the wins are obviously what's the most important thing, but there's also the idea that as the, the, these last games are all very important, and then if this team gets to the playoffs, those are, you know, that's big-time stuff. You need someone that maybe doesn't do some of these things. And I am in no way, and I want to say, for my part, I am in no way saying anything about Johnny Manziel. I, I assume Brian... Football! Brian, sorry, Brian, Johnny... Put a quarter jar. So I'll put a quarter in there. Johnny, I saw a picture of him dressed as Scooby-Doo, <laughs> grinding on a lady. Johnny's Scooby-Doo's. In the dream. I'm not saying that I in any way want him to play at all, but, I mean, it is... It's another thing I think you can still criticize or at least be concerned about your quarterback without impl- implying that you think the other one's better. That's I will, I will say two things about the Browns winning with Coyer. Uh One of them is that some of these games, it just kind of seems like, you know, they're but for the grace of God, you know what I mean? Like, right. they shouldn't be winning these games. No. Well, the other thing is, you know, Browns of years past would have lost these games, and this team doesn't. Yeah, and that, I think, is pretty important to remember, like, not to sound like glass-half-full guy. You know, we've we've done that at points of the season on this show, I think, where we've gone full-on into the, like, playoffs! Playoffs? We're going to talk about me? playoffs, though, for real life. Not in the... Kidding me? There was a time that that came up in last week's episode that literally... You kidding me? I lost it. It was so perfect. Chris did a very good job with that. Uh, oh, thanks. And, but... Yeah, I mean, there's things that concern you, and there was things Hoyer did today that definitely concern me. But I will tell you that, like, there was something about as soon as I started to do the math on that last drive for the Falcons, and I was like, they're going to get the ball back, I think. You know, like, if they do this right, I immediately was like, I think Hoyer can get them down for a field goal in 44 seconds with three timeouts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it happened. He was five for six on that drive. Five in a row, I think he completed. Mm. It was beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, maybe a few of them could have been better, but obviously, like, as far as um, not having to use timeouts or take as much time off the clock, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think people sometimes forget that in a situation like that, like, that Falcons defense is literally just guarding the sidelines and the end zone, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to throw across the middle, and you're not. it's going to be hard to get out of bounds. And, you know, there was no sacks, there was no, like, Fumble, there are no turnovers, you know. I just thought it was really, and he was efficient. If he could throw like that all the time. 
Well, I think like you're saying there, there's a kind of a predictable way the game is played by defense at that point. Right. And Brian Hoyer knows how to rip that shit up, and that's where he's getting paid, you know? And he will be next year. If, I mean, you figure you make the Browns 7-4, and four, that's something right there, even with three interceptions. <laughs> right? I mean, do you guys, like, like, let's keep talking about this, too, before, I, there's a few more things you want to talk about before break, but... I mean, if Hoyer keeps doing what he's doing and they manage to win games and it's not pretty in the stat line and it makes you worry a little bit, but he's still either able to, like, every couple games have an insane game where they just kick the shit out of someone and then in between, you know, at least show some grit and be able to do some stuff late in the game. Are you fine with paying him a bunch of money and having him be your quarterback at least for next year? I guess I'm of the opinion that it'll probably work out badly however way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good answer. That sums up my feelings, too. Let's hope not. It seems different. I don't know. You're right. They would have lost this game. I saw this game so many times in the past, this exact same one. and um, the, the Falcons are pretty terrible, too. They're not very good. And... It was. It, I thought our secondary was amazing. It took those guys out of the game. I thought completely, for the most part. Uh, obviously, Gibson. Hope he gets better. I don't know though. Yeah. Gonna diss some Matty Ice here for a second. Yeah, let's talk about that. I explained that to Sherry when, because you know, like we haven't played the Falcons in a while. It's like Matt. I told her Matt Ryan's nickname is Matty Ice, and I think that's the worst nickname ever. <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> and also, like, it's not true anymore. He's just bad. You know, like, Ice is supposed to be, like, he's, he's cold-blooded. When it's it kind of like Matty time. Ice. Yeah. I, my favorite play in the entire game was when he avoided a sack by Kruger. Kruger fell down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and still sacked him. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, what a terrible nickname. And I, I don't know if anyone wants to re-rank their ginger hierarchy of quarterbacks. <laughs> Uh, they're all terrible. We don't want any of them. Uh, I was going to say, though, that maybe, you know, he kind of reminds me of, you remember in Mighty Ducks, the uh, cake eater? Mm-hmm. You know, I've Banks or something. Uh, that's who he is. Like, I feel like his dad, like, pressured him to, like, throw footballs all day long, and now he's, like, at the top, and he just can't take the pressure. Speaking of Hoyer and the way this team goes... You know, this was obviously a very ugly game, one that he was able to come back and win at the end despite having a pretty terrible game. And this team managed to, I mean, you know, obviously there were times when they got a field goal that they should have got a touchdown. There was a time that they didn't do anything, missed field goal. There's all these missed opportunities, and they still managed to win. Does the fact that they can win an ugly game and somehow figure it out give you guys more or less hope for being successful the rest of the season? I have less hope, I think, honestly. Because there's no reason this game should have been that ugly. With the two turnovers early, the Browns should have been up like 21-7 or even 28-7. Uh-huh. And instead, uh, went into the half uh, down 14-7, right? Yeah, I think so. They, and they're just not capitalizing on the opportunities. They're not as embarrassing as they were in times past, but they also aren't... I think they're kind of in retrograde right now. It's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Browns are in retrograde. You hear it first here on six Bs and a P. Ian, uh, you think you're there? Gives you a little less hope. I can understand that. Uh, Weeby. Uh, it's. I guess. I don't know how to answer that because I feel like it's. Uh, uh, there are things that obviously need improvement, but I also think it's still a pretty uh, such a new team. You know, so many young players on it. Hoyer's really got the reins for the first time for real. Uh, new coach, you know, I can't, I hope that they, I definitely think they're building character, but I hope that their skills are improving as well. And I guess my hope is that it seemed like some of the biggest fuck-ups today were Hoyer and Josh Gordon not being quite on the same page, and this is the first game of them playing together this season, and I definitely think they can get on the same page, and then I have a lot more hope. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, you're talking two of those three interceptions involved Gordon, right? Yeah. yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Weeby. I don't know if I necessarily have more or less hope. Um, I remember back to the point where I considered 
uh, an eight and eight season, a successful season, you know, and if 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 we can win one more game, which I think we can do, then I mean, that's that's quite an improvement upon last year, you know. We're there, man. We're almost there. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, these guys have won, and this is something I was going to bring up too. This team's won as ugly as they've looked recently, because I think we can all agree that they looked better at the beginning of the season, kind of at the middle beginning. There's like a streak of games where like Hoyer was throwing 300 yards and like 60% of passes, you know, and like stuff was clicking. There was a, before Matt got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, the last chunk of games have really been the worst, but they've won four of their last five and six of their last eight. Pretty good. Like I had to go back and look at that twice because I was just like, "You're kidding me! You kidding me? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and I mean, one of those, like that four or five, the one they lost was against the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's that's actually- the thing. That's what really stings about it, too. You know, it's like that's what it's, it's just so hard to know what's what the hell's going on because we. I think first off, at the beginning of the season, you say we beat the Saints and the Falcons. We're like, what, really? You're yeah. kidding me. But then that we performed so well against the Bengals and the Steelers in the second game, like, those are the games we've owned. And yeah. again, like, you're kidding me. But then it's like, you're telling me we lost to the Jaguars? Okay, that's the Browns I know. Right, that game seemed a lot more like the Browns. We talked about that. It seemed a lot more like the Browns of the last couple of years. Anybody got anything else to add on that? Well, like, uh, in that the Bengals and Steelers game, the good Steelers game, Hoyer threw a combined 40 times, which is as many as he threw today and fewer than he threw last week. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's kind of where you start to see at this point of the year, I think, what is creating the problems and what are positives that should be accentuated, you know. Hopefully they figure it out. I don't know. So speaking of that, trying to balance the positive and negative, it's a good swag, seg, swag way. Swag way. It's a good Make- swag way on our Pierogi Mountain Fresh Take hotline, I'll guess, via that, to send it off to Ian Wolf and his beloved segment from the folks that brought you the Peabody Award-winning Pie Corner. Peabody. I'm sorry, Peabody. Pie Corner won a Peabody. Okay, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) The Peabody and Peabody Award-winning Ian Wolf. His Darker Linings playbook give you a taste of how bad it could be if we just thought about it a little bit. Six B's and P. Woo! I thought Ian was doing the darker linings. Well, he needs a theme song. And it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Any volunteers? No. Oh, Jesus, man. I sing so many songs for you, and just this one time, I need something. Darker linings playbook is on your device. <laughs> That's the best we got, man. Yeah, that'll, that'll do pinch, I suppose. Uh, Darker Linings Playbook with your host, Balls McSports. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to say it. Uh, Brian Hoyer kind of sucks. We talked about earlier in this season the things he needed to do was not make mistakes, and he's starting to make mistakes by the bucketful anymore. Um, in these last... Four games, he's thrown six interceptions now. That makes eight on the season against only 11 touchdown passes in the 11th game in a pass-heavy NFL. I don't know how you don't accidentally throw more than that, especially as much as they've been chucking the ball around lately. Chucking the ball! Uh, We had mentioned earlier that he is not the most accurate quarterback, and that is just becoming more and more apparent as the season goes on. And it's gotten to the point where it's you just kind of expect him to overthrow, you know, somebody running an out or underthrow a deep ball. It's like, oh, that's just kind of what he does. That first interception, I can't remember who he was thrown to, maybe Barnage or something. That was just a terrible pass. He had no pressure in his face. It was just a shitty pass from an inaccurate quarterback with kind of a weak arm who should be managing the game and anymore isn't. Which, again, this is not a, uh, an endorsement of one Jonathan football, but I'm not so sure uh, I want Hoyer next year, which I was really high on him at the start of the year, but these last several weeks have kind of... The bloom is off the rose, as it were. The other thing, <laughs> uh, the coaching has been kind of rough of late. Uh, 
several instances in this game. The attempt of a 60-yard field goal with Billy Softleg Cundiff. Going to trademark Softleg. Yeah. They had two chances at it. The first time, they called a timeout. They tried to ice him on a fucking 60-yard field goal for some reason. Uh, and it was a good 10 yards short. So what does Petten do? He sees that and says, you know what? We'll get it this time. Which then, of course, led to uh, the long return by Hester and the great play by Vittonio, who later fucked up on the Browns' the last drive. Not the last drive, the drive prior to the last drive, the drive in which Hoyer threw his third interception. When the Browns had a second and three, and Petonio got called for that false start, which put him back to second and seven, and then inexplicably the Browns threw the ball twice. First time almost intercepted, the second time was intercepted. So it's just things like that, throwing the ball when they don't need to, and this has come up earlier in the year, uh, not using timeouts on that last drive of the first half when they had three. I don't know if you thought you could take them with you into the second half. But there are plenty of opportunities there to stop the clock, give themselves more time, get closer than a 60-yard field goal attempt, and they didn't. So, I don't know. There's a lot to be not happy about. DarkerLightsPlaybook.com Hi, this is Ernest Biner, former Browns player. You're listening to 6Bs and a P on AquaBearLegion.com all right, that was Ian Wolf giving you the crappier side of things and a false domain name for a website, DarkAlighting'sPlaybook.com. All right, thanks for bringing us back to reality a little bit, Ian. Ian Wolf, as a guest there and as a co-host, and all of our guests and co-hosts all around the world via the Pierogi Mountain Fresh Take Hotline. Find him on Facebook by searching Pierogi Mountain and made delicious pierogies with your grandmama's recipe. Down at Bourbon Street, Tuesday night, 75-cent pierogi night with delicious flavors, including vegan options. And you can buy them at Bourbon Street all week and at Wyland's Market year-round. Get some pierogi for Thanksgiving. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Pierogi, fuck. And speaking of Thanksgiving, it's time for... Okay, well, wait, I should explain something first. Go for it. Okay. Six people in a pod was confusing and didn't people didn't... Well, there wasn't a lot of positive reinforcement. And i got to say, actually, as someone that listened back to the previous episode, you all seemed confused at points as to what was actually happening. Well, what, believe, what was it supposed to be? We just talked about things we liked? It wasn't fleshed out in the best way, I don't think. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm going to go ahead, guys, I'm going to go ahead and blame production on that for not coming up with better material. Who's our director? Not it. I think we should do six peas in a pot again. That's my opinion. But not this week. Yeah, we got to send it back for uh, retooling. Yeah. We're going to work on it, America. We're going to get it back so that you like it. Six peas in a pot is going to adopt a uh, sexy teenager. Six peas in a pod and a watch yourself. (laughs) So we're bringing back this week, especially given the holiday and all, the award winning. Critically acclaimed, and shall I say crowd favorite, Pie Corner. Cue up that theme music. Do you guys want to sing it together? Sure. Pie Corner. It's hot in it. Pie Corner. It's hot in it. All right, so we're replacing what was considered to be an ill-conceived and confusing segment with fucking Pie Corner. Pie Corner is specific and intelligent. (laughs) Think about it, guys. It's called Pie Corner, and we literally have a consistent record of discussing pie. That is a fair point. I am sorry. For everything. Well, Thanksgiving is coming up, and that's two weeks in a row. Or Wait, no, I don't know about last week. Two of the last three weeks that Ian has apologized to everyone. Thanksgiving's coming up a very, very popular holiday for pie. So I have, for this week's Pie Corner, a two-part question for all of you. Okay. One is, what is your favorite kind of pie to have on Thanksgiving? We're going to start with that one. Ian Wolf. Pumpkin. Chris Hmm. I don't really like pumpkin pie. 
Are there other, like, Thanksgiving-themed pies that I'm unaware I, of? I mean, I think that any pie is fair game on Thanksgiving. Okay, so I can just say pies we like again? Yeah. But I mean, maybe that you would have a Thanksgiving. Can you I have a... You wouldn't have a pie on Thanksgiving, for instance. You don't think? Well, maybe. I don't know. Like, if you get one of those frozen ones because you grew up poor. Chris, is there another dessert that you enjoy on Thanksgiving? Um... You know what I like more than pumpkin pie is pumpkin roll. Oh, pumpkin uh, roll, solid. Yeah. I will accept that as an appropriate answer for this week's pie corner. Brian, thank you. Um, I don't really like pie. I don't think, honestly. I like. Cooking. Oh wait, hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing this under false pretenses. Yeah, we've been doing this for however long now, and only to come to realize that one of us, oh, we have a pie hater in our yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would I would always choose cookies over pie. I'm going to be honest. I'd most likely choose cake or ice cream over pie. Right. Well, maybe I put my finger in your navel. <laughs> yeah, you did. You guys also did shots of applesauce, right? Around. And this is what you're telling me? Yeah, you did a shot of applesauce, but you did don't. Did you put pie. your finger in all of our belly buttons? That might have happened. I, you know, the dark days. I think Florence and the Machine have a song about that. They sang <laughs> when I had to watch them all eat chicken tenders. So, Brian, you don't like pie. I, you... I mean, it's... it's uh, I eat pie. I think it tastes good. But I wouldn't choose it first amongst desserts hardly ever. All right, it's time for a pie corner hot, hot seat. Uh, Brian, maybe we're going to name desserts and you're going to tell us why you like them more than pie. Okay, I'll try. Cheesecake. Oh, that seems like just like a... like pie, but worse, honestly. Not a big cheesecake fan. Nice. You just got some shade thrown your way from both me and Sherry. I threw it, too. <laughs> uh, what turtle cheesecake? Um, caramel and chocolate and cheesecake and crust. You know, that's got to taste good. Okay. Oreo cheesecake. Why are you just naming cheesecakes? I, I don't know. <laughs> I want cheese that has cookies in it. All right. Well, you know, whatever. You're less than human now. Milkshake. Milkshake. Um, I don't know. Uh, something about vanilla ice cream and vanilla milkshakes. It's just simple and easy and always delightful. As, as opposed to that co confusing, complex apple pie. Yeah, but I mean... When you're eating sweets, do you really want fruits in it? I agree. <laughs> deep, I, that's deep thought. There. I mean, I think people split into camps, right? You know, I mean, some people like if apple pie is to, is good. It's very good. It's just not my favorite. What about like a super chocolatey cream pie, Brian? Maybe. See, then we're back into cheesecake territory, kind of. I do like coconut cream pie, and you know, that's probably my favorite pie. Uh, shoe fly pie. Do you like that more than pie? No. I think I've tried that recently, and uh, it, it was a new thing for me, and I found it very gross. Yeah, shoe, uh, I'll be honest. Shoe fly pie is disgusting. What is it? Is it molasses? Yeah, it's, it's like mostly molasses and sugar, I think. Mm. Like, so it's disgustingly sweet. It's like yeah. So my la before we wrap up Pie Corner, where we've learned an awful lot, I must say, about our... Uh, I awful. Yeah. I wanted to ask that, I guess, of Ian, at least, that when it comes to pumpkin pie, since you mentioned you like that, what is it? Like, what do you, What's a good pumpkin pie for you? What is it? Is there anything you're looking for? Uh, you know, it's got to be at least uh, warm. Maybe, maybe hot. Yeah, yeah, slather that shit up with some whipped cream. Right, so it melts a little bit? Oh, just a little bit, not too much. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to eat it, I suppose. That's an important quality on pumpkin pie. How Eating. about the crust? It's got to have one. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it's just, what, pumpkin puree? That's disgusting. Put that shit on crust and bake it. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go back to ask Weeby about one more dessert. Um, you know what I, I do love about Pie Corner is it always ends prematurely, and then we're like, wait a minute, no. <laughs> go ahead. We've got to talk more. Okay, because, um, you know, we were, we were asking 
Weeby, or at least I, I understood it to be asking him other desserts and seeing how they were superior to pie. Mm-hmm. How about a handful of pudding? <laughs> oh, you know, you guys have, I'm kind of rethinking things because I do like pie more than cheesecake and pudding, especially a handful of pudding. <laughs> um, You'd rather, what, what is it, just because it's in the hand? Uh, well, what if it was think, in a paper bag? Um, I just, in general, like, my immediate go-to for pudding is, like, jello pudding cups and, like, that kind of stuff. And that's not good. I don't like that. Um, sometimes, like, uh, rice pudding's interesting. Well, I don't know. Not necessarily a positive when it comes to desserts. Yeah. I guess I like pie more than a handful of pudding. So. All right, you pie corner. Pie corner. Brian Weeby likes pie. <laughs> All right, Leroy, take us on out. Hi, I'm Leroy Kelly, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, and I'm listening to Six Peas in a Pie. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, good job. Was it? I'm sorry, I didn't mean for that. My pie statement to be. No, I think that that's real life stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that wouldn't have worked in six peas in a pod because we wouldn't have agreed. Right, and that's why, I mean, I think Pie Corner leaves things open a little more. That's why Eric likes it. It's an open forum to really say what you feel about a very <laughs> limited spectrum. Of pie. <laughs> yeah, of I pie. think maybe we should take this section of what we just said and put it earlier in the show as a break, where it's like, we could be like, inside the boardroom of six bees in a pea. The pie corner debate rages on. <laughs> I don't really like pie. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, I was thinking uh, that kind of, not quite, but kind of went into Lord Baelish voice for a second there, Costco. I got accused of doing that earlier while I was just, like, getting some paper towels, because I did. Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to even do it right now because I'm trying to be very conscious of it. But, you know, yeah. uh, last week, I think... Uh, Weeby brought up that he was the Jerry Lawler to your Jim Ross. Right. And I think that um, out of the three things that uh, Lord Baelish likes, uh, Jerry Lawler also likes uh, two out of those three things, at least. You know, right. while while Baelish likes whisper talking and and Lawler likes you know shrieking like a pterodactyl, um, <laughs> they both like the Browns and young girls. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you know what Meatloaf said, guys. Two out of three ain't bad. That's right. Good job, Ian. Playoffs? 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 We've been talking about playoffs a lot, strangely enough, but I want to get real about it here right now. This team is 7-4 and four in a crazy-ass division, which I was trying to bring up to the current standings here. But currently the Browns are, well, tied, but they lose some tiebreakers. But they're tied for the sixth spot. You kidding me? In the AFC, the second wild card spot, currently with both the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers, who are both 7-4, and four, and I believe both are in tiebreakers over the Browns. Um, but that's pretty close to being in the playoffs. You kidding me? Mm-hmm. That is almost the same thing as getting in. There you go. Cincinnati is seven three and one. They are in first place. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are seven and four, and then Baltimore is six and four. They play tomorrow night. Jeez. Yep. And the AFC West is pretty tight too. Denver's eight and three, and then both Kansas City and San Diego are seven and four. So. Denver lose today. Denver lost to Miami. No, they beat Miami. Oh wow. Yeah, Miami six and five. Denver one, I think. Is that right? Anybody? I do not know. I thought they were playing right now. Okay. Uh, Denver 39, Miami 36. You heard it here several days after it happened that Denver Broncos have beaten the Miami Dolphins. And one thing that I think we need to focus on on this podcast as we go into the second half of the season pull on here is we need to establish right now that there are many teams that we hate. Yes. Certain circumstances have made it so that 6B and P has to publicly come out 
in utter hatred of these new teams. Mm-hmm. Some are old favorites, guys. Some are people that we've been hating for years around here. Um, to the point where when people tell you they're from those places, I know we all think, ooh, I bet you might be an asshole. Um, and then others are brand new, new to the hatred bandwagon of six Bs and a P. And the first two, of course, very obvious, both the Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers are ahead of us in the division. Uh, they can eat our butts, obviously. New to the party, Kansas City Chiefs and San Diego Chargers are both 7-4. and four. We need them to start losing. They also can also eat our butts. Yeah, Philip Rivers, eat my butt. Yeah, he's terrible. Terrible, you heard it. Brian Weeby thinks you're terrible, Philip. Let that sink into your head, your terrible head. Baltimore Ravens are 6-4, and four. they play tomorrow. I'm very used to thinking terrible things about them. And then a couple other teams in the AFC that we, I think, have to worry about a little less, but you never know. Miami, Buffalo, and Houston. Miami six and five. Buffalo five and five, and Houston is five and six. And of course, we play the Bills next week. And lost to Houston already. God damn it. Yeah, that sucks. But I don't think they're gonna. You know, the Bengals took care of them pretty good today. I don't think Houston's very good. I think that was a bad day for us. Yeah. Um, and we play we play Buffalo next week on some sort of giant uh, igloo. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo's gone now. Hey, Buffalo dog. Yes. Yeah, I think it's gone. Yeah. You know, Did it I, wash away when all the snow melted? I think it might have. Good riddance, Buffalo. Oh, all right. I like that you're adopting our anti-Buffalo stance. Yeah. Strong at the output. So, can this team make the playoffs? A lot of stuff. And is it easier if they win the division? I think winning the division is the only way they get in. You don't think they get? You think so? Why is that? Do you think that only one wild card is going to come out of the North? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's looking not entirely unlikely. Kansas City, San Diego, and Denver all in the same division, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's a tough one there, and this, they're you know losing out on tiebreakers. It's. I mean, to an extent, they're in control of their own destiny because if they win out, then they're definitely in. Right. Twelve and four gets you in. Yeah, twelve and four will get you a buy. Can you yeah. imagine that? I would, you know, what would we do for that week? I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Any other teams stick out to anybody on there? As far as um, a threat? Yeah, I mean, which ones are you most worried about out of the teams we now hate? Uh, just everybody above us. Ooh. Going for the knees. That's right. I'm gonna get Kerrigan'd. <laughs> My what next door neighbor is a Dolphins fan. Um, yeah. But I don't want to get on his bad side. <laughs> there you go. Do you think they, I mean, can, so I agree. Division's the way to go. I don't know if they can do it, though. Seems like, I mean, they're going to play both the Bengals and the Ravens again. Mm-hmm. And so they can win both of those, but it's going to be tough. Um, you're, but you're right, If they keep winning, they're good. That's all that matters. Someone's looking at ESPN.com. Not me. Not it. So, before we head off to break here, I brought up in our text message thread earlier that I love this segment on the Dan Lebertard show where they talk about how people look like people. <laughs> essentially, it's as simple as that. Like One of the ones, and they showed him on the field today, was they said that uh, the owner of the Falcons looked like the kind of guy that would have a suit of armor in his house. <laughs> They also said that the um, coach of the Notre Dame college football team looked like a guy that would, like, wash his yacht shirtless all the time. And, like, somebody, like, I can't remember who it was. One player was, like, a the tennis instructor you wouldn't want your wife to have. Like, <laughs> like it was, like, Manu Ginobili or some shit. I don't know. But anyway, um, a few of the Browns players and people involved with the organization are pretty stellar-looking individuals. Mm-hmm. I had a few here. I'm not going to do the Jim Brown one because we realize that no matter how, and I want to, I think it's offensive no matter how you do it when it's like someone like Jim Brown. Like, how do you say he looks like someone other than Jim Brown? He looks like a guy who would punch an alien in the face. He did that in Mars Attacks. I know, dude. That's the joke. Wasn't he the president? Thanks, man. <laughs> president of that? No. That was Jack Nicholson, I think. That's still cool. Paul Kruger. Looks like a guy that would work at a bait and tackle shop. 
I still stand by the statement that Paul Kruger looks like a uh, larger, stronger Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> and I still yeah, got real little nips. <laughs> Thanks. Where are the nips? Hashtag where are the nips? Joel Batonio, is that how you say it? Batonio? Mm-hmm. He looks like the dude from high school that was in auto shop and was really into corn. He looks like he's still into corn. Yeah. Corn, we don't want you on the show. Do you guys have any other ones that come to mind? Uh, Buster Screen and Joe Hayden look like they could star in the TV series adaption of the House Party movies. <laughs> like guys that sort of look like the dudes from the, sh- the movie, but not quite. Yeah. Um, Brian Hoyer, I believe, on this show was described as a guy that you wouldn't be shocked holding you up at gunpoint behind a dairy mart in Cleveland. What? Yeah. We did that? He's pretty sketchy looking, dude. Like, if you put if you put Brian Hoyer in, like, a zip sweatshirt and he had his hood up. Or, like, sweatpants and uh, gentlemen's Uggs. Yeah. You can totally. say that about just about anyone. Well, you know. Look the part, be the part, motherfucker. Brian Hoyer could be, like, working at a speedway, though. I can see that. Still think, uh, do we still agree that Petten looks like some sort of stone-cold Goldberg hybrid? Yes. This looks like uh, your, your prototypical, the archetype of gym teacher. Yeah, he does look like a gym teacher. I thought Mike Smith, the Falcons coach, kind of looked like a crappy, like, biology teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Playing the wrong game there, buddy. <laughs> All right, so let's send it off the break. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to do Tweet of the Week. We're going to talk about next week's game versus the Bills. we got a couple other non-Browns-related news things that we thought were cool. We'll catch you back here in a little bit. Six Bs and a P, AquabearLegion.com. Woo! Even though I saw the game the first time around, a win like this past Sunday is always fun to look at several times, and right now Jim and Bill have gathered to give us the highlights. Jim? Well, Bill, I think you understand fully now, after seeing the fan reaction to Sunday's win, what a victory over the Steelers really means around here. Well, I saw it last year. Uh, The fans were really into the game, and Sunday was a lot of fun. Uh, The players had the week off uh, during the bye week, and and they worked really hard during that week and getting ready for the Steelers. And uh, when you go out there and win like we did Sunday, that makes it very satisfying. Hey, how about your defense? No touchdowns allowed in the last two games. In fact, the last nine quarters, only one in the last three games. Well, the defense is playing well, and their number one goal, of course, is to prevent points, and uh, we've done a pretty good job of that. I think you've got to give a lot of credit to the players. They're hustling, they're playing aggressively, and they're preventing the offense from making big plays. And you also have to salute the defensive coaching staff and defensive coordinator, Nick Saban. Their schemes are working well. Now, on offense, you're doing more with Mike Tomczak, and uh, the offensive line is certainly coming around. Well, Mike's done a real good job for us. He's come in and and played well, given the team some confidence, and uh, hasn't made many big mistakes and has made a lot of big throws, and offensive line's getting better each week. Well, I like what I've seen, and uh, right now what I'd like to see are some highlights of that win over the Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers came to Cleveland with a familiar face as their new head coach, former Browns assistant and player Bill Cowher. And the Browns had the Mac attack back for the annual stadium showdown against the Steelers who had success early getting the ball to the NFL's leading rusher, number 29, Barry Foster. But once close to the goal line, the Browns' defense stepped up. O'Donnell, quarterback draw, and it goes nowhere. Pittsburgh's Pro Bowl kicker, Gary Anderson, gave the visitors an early 3-0 lead. With Foster carrying the load, the Steelers were soon back for another Anderson field goal, which made the score 6 to nothing early in the second quarter. While Pittsburgh congratulated themselves, it was now time to let the newly acquired quarterback Mike Tomczak play a little. First, Tzak hit rookie Rico Smith, who discovered the intensity of the Brown-Steelers rivalry. Smith was ruled down by contact, and the Browns continued the assault with a Mac attack. Softened by Mac's bruising charge, the Browns tried a little dash with a pinpoint throw to the swift Eric Metcalf. Metcalf's catch set up Matt Stover's 51-yard field goal attempt, which was good, 
and the Browns had withstood a so-so first-half performance and trailed only 6-3 after two quarters. He was trying to take it outside. I'm pressing outside. got right inside of him. Then I come out of him. Boy, it's off the ball a little bit. Yards, yards, and he's just running inside. You know what I mean? The thing is, if we're running still and your guys ram, and then the only way they can pick up Floyd is pick him up with the back. I mean, we can't, you can't get inside and pick him up. After some important offensive adjustments, the Browns were ready to charge ahead. Outside of the 10 to the 15 to the 20. Cook races on, and Metcalf is down the near sideline. Fake handoff, Tomczak, boot like the Bavaro. Wide open at the 45 to the 50, into Steelers territory. Tomczak turns heads up to Metcalf, left in sweep. This time Metcalf's inside the 30 to the 27-yard line to the 26. Handoff, Mack, and he's hit just as he gets a handoff. Breaks the tackle, gets inside the 25 to the 21-yard line. And that is Greg Lloyd, who is flat on his face and knocked out. Looks over the middle, still with time. Throws the back of the five to the three to the two to the one-yard line. Handoff, back to the goal line, leans over the stack for a touchdown. Now leading 10-6 in the third quarter, it was time once again for the Cleveland defense to keep the Steelers out of the end zone. Here they come after O'Donnell, and it's the sack by Eric Turner back at the 24-yard line. Here's the kick. It has the distance, and it is good. Leading 10-9, the Browns needed an offensive surge, and Tom Sack turned to the thriller wide receiver Michael Jackson, who caught one to keep the drive alive, and a 47-yard touchdown to drive the fans near delirious. Pittsburgh, with 10 minutes remaining, still had time to come back. But on a crucial fourth and one near midfield, the Browns' defense stepped up once again, securing a 17-9 victory. I'm really proud of the way the players have worked the last couple of weeks. I think we've improved as a football team through the first five weeks of the season. I think we've got to keep working hard and continue to improve. And uh, you know, I think we're going to be all right. Coach, that knockout of Greg Lloyd by Kevin Mack really seemed to spark your team. Well, it was a hard-hitting, hard-fought game, and, and that particular play got the coaches, the players, and I think the fans really going in the stadium. When I looked out, I realized I was about 10 yards out on the field, and all the players were with me. All right. Now, that was Kevin Mack's first game this season, and we're going to give you a chance to talk about how you've had to replace so many injured players when we come back. In my opinion, that sucked. All right. All right. All right. We're back here. Six beans and a P. AquaBarrelLegion.com. Browns win. Browns win. All right. Seven and four. But still, because things are weird, tied for second in the AFC North. But whatever. We listed the teams earlier that can eat our butts just so that we're all is right with the universe. And we're going to finish up the show this week, all guests via the Pierogi Mountain First Lake Hotline, by talking about... Um, of course, our tweet of the week and a little bit about the Bills game next week in Hoff. And, uh, but first, Joe Hayden has some sort of crazy pregame catch. Anybody who had that, put that in here. I put that in there. It's just something that showed up, uh, on, I guess, during the ESPN pregame. He's in the background warming up and just jumps about eight feet in the air and one hands a ball out of the sky. I'm watching it right now. It is quite impressive. That's yeah, great. <laughs> All right, good catch, Joe Hayden. And I wanted to bring up uh, that in our neck of the woods here, the Athens high school team is really good, and they are currently uh, about two wins away from a state championship, I believe. And their quarterback, who this year has thrown 56 touchdowns and one interception. Wow. Yeah. He's committed to OSU for next year. He's a senior at Athens. In the game on, I think it was Friday night, a regional championship, he threw it a touchdown pass to himself. <laughs> and that is awesome. I gotta put the, we'll send the link on 6Ps and a P, and yeah. I'll send it to you guys. Is there a video of it? Yeah, yeah I, there's a video of it. Not as impressive as you had hoped. I heard yeah, it. but it's still like pretty it. awesome. I mean, what do you want, Ian? Well, I, what happened is you know, he throws the ball, gets tipped at the line, then the guy trying to intercept it, it bounces off of him right back into the quarterback's hands, and he runs it out from like two yards away. 
I was hoping he was going to, like, run back and fucking Bugs Bunny it down the field, throw it on the air. <laughs> like, put some dynamite on it and throw it really high and run and catch it? <laughs> Pretty much. That's what I was desperately hoping for and it didn't happen. Well, there you go, guy that threw a touchdown pass to yourself. Ian Manwolf is still not impressed. Nope, not good enough. Yeah. Um, I just say to our producer, that is time for the Tweet of the Week. Ian, cue up that theme music. It's the Tweet of the Week. All right, we're doing this episode on Sunday night, of course, not long after the Browns got the big win. What is happening? Studio is being invaded. <laughs> what is happening? I don't know. I heard of Michelle Ma back there. Sounds like a party. I'm sorry. I don't no, know what's going on. A little bit of reality to the show. I, we gotta get tighter security here in the studio. Yeah, people just come in here and are partying. It's really weird. Get First, out of here. The first tweet of the week comes from Twest, T West. Good game today. Not as good as Crowell, but pretty good. At Terrence West underscore 28 from the other day, I believe yesterday actually, just landed safely in Atlanta. Hashtag business trip. Nice. Jamal Sheard, of course, showing back up today. He was hurt, so it's good to see him out there. In his downtime, last week had this tweet, this terrible Smell like a boss this holiday season with Boss Bottled, available at Macy. Hashtag What the fuck? There you go. Little Macy's. Huh. Yeah. I think you're not making enough money uh, playing professional football. Apparently not. Brian Oyer sells windows on, like, Cleveland. Did you guys... When we were up there for the game, did you happen to hear, like, the Brian Hoyer commercial? I think so. It's like for a roofing. And I gotta make that bubble gum. <laughs> so, next week, Browns play the Bills, who are 5-6, and six, I believe. 5-5. Five and five. Yep. And obviously, we were talking about the Bills are not playing their home game in Buffalo this week because it snowed, like, 7 feet. Yeah, Detroit, and the tickets are free versus the Jets, and but we of course are going to play them next week. Do you think the stadium might be all right by then? Who do you do you think the Browns can win this one on the road? I don't know anything about the Bills. I just assume they suck. So yes. All right, Brian Weaver. Yeah, I think they can do it. Chris Poland. Yeah, you know. Uh, They've proven that they can uh, make any game, whether they are favorites or not, uh, exciting. And I have here, just so you guys know, that Kyle Orton is the Bills quarterback. (laughs) Is that Randy's brother? Yeah, Randy Orton's brother, Kyle. Love to have you on the show. Yeah, I I think they should be able to win. That's a lot of road wins in a row. I mean, I started thinking about old Browns patterns then, but... Um, they should win this game, and I hope they do. It's a big one. They need to just, I mean, like Ian said, if they win out, they control their own destiny. Come yeah. as close to as you can, right? The Bengals or the Colts after the Bills? The Colts are tough, you know? Like, that's a game that's going to be a lot harder to win than this one. But. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be back here next week celebrating an 8-4 and four Browns with a big win over the Bills. I mean, I just think, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm trying to be positive. No more interceptions. Maybe you got them all out of the way this week. Yeah, let's hope so. Go Browns, everybody. Go Browns. You can find us on Twitter at 6B1P. That's number six, letter B, number one, letter P. Say stuff at us. We try to post some things on there now and again. On Facebook by searching 6Bs and a P. We're glad, as always, to be hosted here on AquabareLegion.com, your one source for force. If you're in the Athens area, there's a benefit show on Saturday after Thanksgiving. Casa Cantina, every band ever is playing at it. Benefits the uh, Union Street employees down on, at Jack Yeo's in the Union and a few other places. You can also donate to them, as we mentioned in the last episode, at GoFundMe.com slash AthensFire. Throw a few bucks their way. Tough stuff. If every band ever is playing, why was my band told there was no room?
Oh. I was I not even asked. Just a tagline here. I'm sorry. <laughs> eight bands playing or nine, I believe. So it's just a figure of speech. Sorry. <laughs> no hat, not playing either. Yeah, yeah. I know they're included in every band ever. But yeah, come on out to that if you're around. We'll be back here next week with some talk about the Bills. Hopefully it's positive. Josh Gordon, that's exciting. Go Browns. Browns. In my opinion, that sucked.